I, just reading James, you kind of get his personality. Um, I, I kind of think he was like me. It's like I, I, I like just I like to have short sentences and just speak my my you know my point and get get it across really fast. You know, and I think James was the same way. He just says these things, you know, and he he actually says it kind of abruptly sometimes. It's you know, in chapter three, it says um, it speaks of uh, he speaks of your tongue, and he says your tongue was set on fire by hell itself. You know, I mean, that's literally from James, you know, and you're thinking, whoa, what's this guy on? What's going on? Um, Why is he writing stuff like that? And you can read James in two different ways. And I want to kind of, before we get into it, I want to make sure that you guys have the right attitude when you read James, Um, because it's short and it says a lot of things and has some great wisdom in it. It can seem a little preachy, though. It can seem like, oh, you're telling me to do this, or you're telling me to do that. And it's, it might seem like a lot of rules, right? Um, a lot of famous verses like, um, uh, be slow to speak, and, wait, is that the right one? Uh, be slow to anger, or whatever it is. I'm, I'm getting all mixed up. Go read it yourself. Um, you'll find out. Um, and you, you can, it sounds a little preachy. I don't want to just preface it with this. Is when we read James, you have to know that God loves you. Now, I know that sounds simple, and I know that sounds, I know that, Tom, we're, you know, we're giving tithes so that you tell me that God loves me. You know, it's like, all right, no, I, I'm telling you God loves you is because he wrote in his book great things, a lot of things that might step on your toes, a lot of things that go, ooh, that kind of hurt. You know, the, the word of God is a double-edged sword. You guys remember? In Hebrews, it's a double-edged sword, which means uh, on one side, it encourages you and make you know, lift you up and go, oh, that was just great. On another side, it's going to convict you and tell you stuff like, don't do that. And you're like, ouch. Anybody with me? And I, I love the fact that the Word of God uh, does, is not dictated by how I feel. It's not dictated by like, oh, this, oh, come on, come on, Bible, make me feel good. No. No, the Word of God is a double-edged sword. It, it'll correct you. It'll encourage you. It'll rebuke you. It'll lift you up. And I love that about it. And James has all of that. And so I want, the reason why I say, remember that God loves you, because God writes these things because he loves you. You know, like a, how a father, how many of you guys are parents? I'm not a parent yet. But right, when you guys give your children wise advice, do not touch the stove, right? Uh, do not uh, cross the, the crosswalk without me, whatever, look both ways. And you say all these things, and sometimes you have to say it with a stern voice, right? You don't always say, don't touch the stove. Please. You know, you don't say it nice all the time. You have to say it stern. And I think James comes across like that. But why do you do it? Out of love. And God is showing, and I think he spoke through James with this really, this heart of love as we get into it. But I want to give you a background on James um, so that you know who James is. Um, James was not the apostle who got killed in Acts, but James was actually Jesus' brother. Do you guys know that? Yeah, he was Jesus' brother. Um, and it's kind of interesting um, because when you read the Gospels, you actually, James kind of appears now and then, but um, when you read it in the Gospel, like in Matthew um, verse uh, chapter 13, it actually says he wasn't a believer. It, it actually says that he didn't believe Jesus at that time. He's kind of doubtful. I mean, think about it, right? I mean, you're Jesus' brother. He's growing up. He's getting all his attention. It's like, oh, Jesus. There he goes again, bragging about he's going to do this and do that. 
you know, and, and there's a verse that says, oh, come on, go and, go and do the wonderful things that you guys always talk about, that you always talk about, right? I mean, it's kind of a natural reaction. James is like, oh, who's this? But later on, after Jesus uh, was resurrected, um, there's another verse where, where, where James actually experienced the resurrected Jesus, and it kind of hit him. I mean, I can imagine that, that moment when he saw his brother, the resurrected Jesus, the miracle that just happened right before his eyes, and he's just like, whoa, you... He had to come to a realization, you're God. You're, you're more than just my brother. I worship you. You are my Lord. And I read James and go, I think there was something that happened when he met the, the resurrected Lord, his res, the resurrected, his sibling. But I think something happened in his heart and he had an attitude change. And, and, and you read it in James. It's like this guy is hardcore about loving Jesus Christ. I mean, he is. Um, so that happened. Um, he became, um, the main church leader in Jerusalem. Now, if you remember Acts, you guys sat with us the whole thing. You, you know what happened? What happened was the church grew real rapidly in Jerusalem and in Israel. And what happened? Persecution came, right? And they got, they got scattered across the whole earth. They ran because for their lives. But on, um, on the way to running away, they were preaching the gospel and people were getting saved, right? And so what happened was, as time passed, James became the main leader of Jerusalem. And so, actually, when we're reading this book of James, it's actually a letter to all these scattered places around where people were running away. He was basically going, hey, here's some advice. Hey, do this. Here's how you, here's how you remain faithful in Christ. Um, and so when we read this, that's kind of what happened. And it, it, tradition says that he got martyred around 62 AD, so he died for his faith. Um, but as we read this, let's turn to James. It's a little bit near the end of the New Testament, and we're going to start from the beginning. And it says this in James 1, verse 1, says, This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the twelve tribes, Jewish Jewish believers scattered abroad. So there's the, the fact that he's writing these letters, not to just one place, but he's going, you know what, I want to send this letter everywhere. So he's giving advice. He really wants to make it short and sweet and go, you know what, here's some, here's some wisdom. He says, greetings. And then in verse 2, um, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Okay, so let me take a, a little poll here. How many of you guys have heard this verse before? All right, this is like one of the more famous verses, right? It's, it's, it's talking about, you know what, have endurance, have patience. When, when tempting uh, comes your way, when trials come your way, stand your ground. Because you know what, it's an opportunity for joy. It's an opportunity that you can grow. Now, when you hear this, it's kind of one of those verses you're like, really? Like, do I have to? Like, I can't complain a little bit? You know, like, I'm going through this stuff, and you have no idea what I'm going through? And here's one of the things when you, it's, it almost sounds preachy. Like, come on, when you're going through all these trials, come on, perk up, little camper. You know, get, get joyous here. Like, what's, what's going on with you? Um, but I see this, and I go, you know what, James has a point here. James was martyred for his faith. I mean, he's not someone that 
doesn't understand trials, doesn't understand persecution. I, I know this guy went through persecution. Um, this guy went through trials, and so he's talking from experience. He's talking from a place where, you know what? Take my word for it. Consider it pure joy when trials come your way. Consider it pure joy. I mean, memorize that. It's like, whoa, he's actually saying, you know what? Change your mind about things. Change your attitude about the situation you're in. I know we talked about this kind of last week, um, but I, I preached for Carl services last week, so I get to use the scripture I used last week. Um, in Romans 12, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Romans 12, it says, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Right? That is your uh, worship to God. And then in verse 2, it says, Don't copy the, the customs and behaviors of this world. Now get this. It says, But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now that's a very interesting verse because it's not saying, Hey, you... Change the way you think. Hey, you, you know, you're going through all that stuff? Come on, knock it off. What Paul is saying in Romans, he's saying, let God transform the way you think. You guys getting that? It's kind of like, I'm, I'm going to offer my body as a living sacrifice to God, just like James did, just like Paul did, just like all the great apostles, just like the Bible is calling us to live, Right? Calling us to live, you know what? These trials, these tribulations are coming our way. Let's live with joy. And he's saying, you know what? Offer your bodies. When you do that, when you come and worship him, let God transform the way you think. How many guys have ever walked into church real grumpy? Let's be honest. Come on. You're like, oh, I have to go to church today. Oh, I had a really bad day. I had, you know, it's like I had to take all these kids to soccer games. And they were just, oh, my gosh. And, you know, all the stuff. And you're walking in here. But then you worship God. And you're like, whoa, that was good. You listen to a word and you're like, whoa, my heart's changed. And you walk out here a different person. You walk out here transformed. I mean, come on, how many guys have experienced the, just the transforming power of just the word of God or worshiping him and laying yourself before him? And he goes, and he just changes the way you think. He changes, like, whatever. The storm around you is, is raging. And you're like, I don't care. My God is in, is in control. And today's sermon... Is called Talk is Cheap. Um, and, and I look at James, and he was someone that really walked his talk. Um, I had a math teacher when I was in high school, um, and this was a bad example. <laughs> this is a really bad example. Um, I, I, it was, he was my summer school teacher. And... Um, He was really strict on, on swearing. Like, if you swore in his class, you basically had to, like, put money into, like, a jar or whatever it is. I actually stole his idea. Like, anybody, I was a, when I was a youth pastor, anybody swore in my car, you would owe me a dollar. It was great on gas. <laughs> you know, I picked up kids from Castle. They, you know, they're, they're coming out of school, right? And they're swearing all day. They come in my car. Dude, I'll be, like, ten bucks ahead. I was like, yeah, right on. You know, you swear in my car. I'm a rich man. You know, and so my teacher was like that. Um, in summer school, he's all, you swear, you use dirty language, you, do, you know, you use foul language, you owe the jar, you pay money, whatever it is. And I, I, I respected him for that. I was like, wow, this guy has some rules, that's great, and he really doesn't like swearing. And so, um, there was one day, I mean, this is after, like, 
you know, summer school, and I, you know, this teacher, I, I, had, I didn't have this teacher anymore, and I saw him surfing one day. I was, like, maybe a couple years later. I was a senior in high school, and he was surfing, and he didn't recognize me, and I was, like, watching him. like, hey, it's like, oh, there's my, I'm not going to say his name. Mr., what's his name? And, and then um, before I could even say hi to him, um, I just remember him yelling at somebody. I mean, he was swearing. I mean, he was going off, swearing, yelling at the person, telling him to go home. You know, this is my teacher, guys. <laughs> it's like, whoa. And I was looking at him, and I'm just like, wow. I'm like, so in this realm, the rules pertain to us and to you and whatever it is. But in this realm, it doesn't. You get what I'm saying? And the lesson I learned from that is I don't want to be like that. I want to be someone that walks my talk. Amen? I, I, I don't want my talk to be cheap. I don't want my life to go, okay, well, I say this while I'm up here. Seriously, this is, when I'm up here, man, I better make sure that my life by myself is the same. And I'm not saying to you guys to be perfect. I'm not saying that, it's like, you know, we struggle. There's times when I slip. Seriously, there's times when I slip. And I'm like, wow, I wasn't a really good example. And, and I look at James. When he's, when he's saying this, consider it pure joy. I know for a fact this guy walked his talk. That he's saying this from experience. He's saying, you know what? I have some really good advice for you. Don't be a complainer when it gets tough. When those trials come and those persecutions come, don't worry about it. Trust in God. You know why? This is going to be an opportunity for you to, to grow. And you're going you're gonna to hit a whole bunch of stuff of James. These little, these little nuggets that are going to be, you know what? Walk your talk. Don't, don't, don't be two people at, at, one, you know, in, at one time. Don't be two people in do two different places. Um, let's go down to verse 12. And I want to um, actually jump ahead a little bit and go backwards. Verse 12, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Those desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Verse 16. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. So here, he's not only talking about testing and trials. He's also talking about testing, about being tempted about temptation, when, when desires, like, and we're getting kind of, you know, persuaded to go a certain way, and this is not God's way. And when it gets really, really strong, he's saying, you know what? God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation, for God never tempts. Let's be honest here. How many guys have been tempted before? <laughs> All right, about half of us. Okay. The rest of you guys are living. Can you guys tell me the secret? That would be awesome. Um, we've all been tempted, and I know we've, you know, it says that we live in a, a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. We, we live in a place where the enemy exists, right? We're not in heaven yet. Um, the enemy exists. We will get tempted. And there's three points. There's three little 
uh, things I want to give you, um, how to resist temptation, how to, how to keep joy, and how to grow in this time of, of trial and temptation. Well, number one is that you recognize what tempts you to sin. Okay, if you're taking notes, that's number one. Recognize what tempts you to sin. If this, this trial, this temptation is your way, you go, you know what, the best way you can do it is pick it out. Name it. Don't be like, oh, no, my life, oh, man, there's so much temptation coming. I don't know, man, I'm stuck in my sin. Oh, man, what is it? And you just kind of, it's, it's overwhelming, and you don't know what it is, and you, you don't pinpoint it, and you just keep doing it. And you're like wondering, why am I stuck? You know, why, why is this always a habit? Why is this always reoccurring in my life? I think the best way you can do it is pinpoint it. Recognize what it is, name it out, and call it out and go, I struggle with that, and God, I want to deal with it. And you know what? Please, church, help me. That's what mini church is all about, right? You go to mini church and go, hey, yep, I messed up this week. And your mini church should be a good mini church. And go, well, let's pray for you. Let's help you out. Um, I was reminded a couple years ago, uh, uh, there was a, a very, uh, um, it, it, to the world, to this church, it was very apparent what I struggled with. Does anybody remember when I had a broken hand? Does anybody remember that? I actually walked walked up here with a cast, and actually Ralph allowed me to preach. Um, I, I actually punched the door, guys. <laughs> you guys remember that? Yeah. I actually punched my door, which was made out of solid wood. <laughs> and I was like, I, as soon as I did, I was like, I was mad, right? I was angry. Um, and I punched the door, and I was like, I just, I just broke my hand. <laughs> I, I got to drive myself to the hospital right now. Um, and I remember, seriously, I remember on a Saturday night, I had to come up here for something. I don't know what. I was sitting in my car going, and I had, like, the full thing around me. I'm, like, going, I, I can't lie myself out of this. <laughs> I, like, I can't hide this. I mean, I basically have to be honest. I, and, and God taught me some, a really good lesson. It's like, you know what? It, it's okay. And it took me a while to get out of my car, guys. I'm, I'm confessing to, uh, this to you guys. It's like, man, this is embarrassing. I mean, I have to tell people, yeah, I, I broke my hand. There's only a, a, a couple of reasons why you would break your hand, really, you know, and one is punching a wall. And so I did. You know what I realized? You know what the great thing about it was? And I, I hope I'm breaking the shame in a lot of the stuff that you deal with. I mean, I, I hope I break it. Is that, you know, people came up to me, hey, what, what's wrong? And all embarrassed, seriously, when it first started, I'm all embarrassed. I'm just like, oh, dude, I got mad. Yeah, I punched the door. Dude, uh, at this service, uh, I'm not sure, I don't remember who it was. I remember, oh, yeah, I did that before. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're going through. You know what that did for me? It's like, thank you. Thank you guys for not making me feel like I'm a jerk or I have, like, this anger issue that I, you know. And I, I did. I had to deal with it. It was right there. I had to deal with it, but the, it, it, it broke the shame in my life. Are you guys hearing me? That, that shame, this thing that keeps you from going, oh, I have sin in my life. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want to pinpoint it out because, you know, it's going to make me embarrassed. I really believe that's the enemy going, yep, I have a hold on you. So that, that sin, whatever's, whatever's tempting you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep it in the darkness. It's going to keep it in this corner so I can control you. When I got, the, got out there on the open, I had to stand on the stage, guys, look, hey, guys. Broke my hand. I punched the wall. I remember I had to do that. 
hey, look at this. And I preached the word, and it was all right. It was cool. Um, maybe Ralph had a plan behind that, but thank you, Ralph, for letting me do that. Um, I, I, I learned the power of the body of Christ. There's a power, and it says in Romans, confess to one another our sins. Confess, right? You know why? It takes the weight off your shoulders. It takes the shame away. And there's something powerful about many church guys. This is a church, I really believe, that you don't just come and go on a Sunday and you just don't know anybody, right? There are some churches you can get away with that. Go, all right, nobody knows me. Great. Okay, I'm out of here. I'm sorry. You're in a church that wants to get to know you. <sighs> we want to get to know you because this church is about relationships. You know what? Not even this church. Christianity is about relationships. What, is, what does the Bible say? Love, love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's the word of God. This whole walk with Jesus is about relationships, and it's about pinpointing, okay, you know, I'm struggling with this. How many of you guys have an accountability partner, a mini church where you can vent? Going, I'm, I struggle with this. I remember um, a while back, um, I had a, an accountability partner, and one of his things was, I want to quit smoking. And you know what? We met, and it wasn't just me, but I want to take some of the credit. He quit smoking, guys. You know why? Because every week I go, you smoked? Oh, yeah, I, got, I had one, one pack. Then the next week, hey, you smoked? Oh, no, I, I only had one cigarette this week. Then after a while, you smoked? No, I, I quit, dude. Then I'm, well, the next week, you smoked? Leave me alone. Dude, I'm done with it already. But you know what? There was a power in it, guys. When we confess it and whatever you're struggling with it, recognize what it is. Be, be honest with yourself. What am I struggling with? What do I have? Pride, anger, lust. Be honest and go, okay, now what do I do with it? Right? What do I do with it? When temptation comes your way, God says, you know what? Um, where's the verse? I'm looking for the verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, right? It's a good verse. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. There's so many ways out. When you're in a body of Christ, oh my gosh, you know where the way out is? He's sitting right next to you. She's sitting right next to you. Get people to confess to. Get, get people to be accountable to. Recognize your sin. That was number one. I'm sorry. I'm going along on that one. I was preaching. Number two, and I think this goes along with number one. Number two is how to um, endure temptation and get through it is create a godly environment around you. Create a godly environment around you. Um, one of the biggest transformations I ever saw, till this day, this is a long time ago, but one of the biggest transformations, because I was an eyewitness to it, was my brother Clinton. Anybody know my brother? Anybody know him when he was before he was a Christian? <laughs> Thank God he got saved. All right. Uh, and I, I, I joke around. I joke on this because he, he knows how bad he was. He was bad. I mean, he was bad. And I remember, um, I remember I didn't want to go into his room. It was depressing to go in his room. It was, you know, there was, there was like marijuana stuff all over the place. There was pictures. And there was just, every time I went into his room, there was just this darkness. There was just this. And I, I'm not even sure if I was a Christian back then, but it just it didn't feel good in there. I'm just like, this is depressing. 
I couldn't even breathe. I was like, oh, this is like, there's just, I don't know. He became a Christian. I mean, God just zapped him, right? Filled with the Holy Spirit. God transformed his life. Awesome. He actually brought our whole family here to Hope Chapel. Thank you, Clint. He came, he went to a Bible study high because he liked a girl, right? Someone invited him to this mini church. He went because he liked the girl, um, smoked a joint before, went to mini church, got saved, said he walked out of that mini church. Seriously, um, he didn't have any whatever it is. I don't, I've never done that before. But he said he was totally sober when he walked out of that mini church. He walked out sober, guys. Um, Sober and saved. That was amazing. But what happened? Seriously, the months um, happened. He started coming to this church, started getting involved. Um, He became a leader, a youth leader. He's actually, he was actually Carl and mine, junior high leader. He used to drive us around, go surfing. But what happened, why I'm talking about his room, I saw his room transform. I saw my brother transform, but I saw his room. He took all these pictures down. All those zigzags were thrown away, (laughs) thank God. You know, it cleaned up, and I don't know, it just became brighter. And I remember walking into his room and just going, whoa, like, there's something different here. There's this, there's this, it was God's presence. Now, now I can I can say it was God's presence that entered in, and he, he got rid of his stuff, and you know he got he had to drop some of his friends. Now I know you know what, there's some Christian non Christian friends that we we have to be friends with, but these these friends of his were tempting him into drugs, right? You, these were the these were the things that were leading him back into the world. So he had to say, you know what, I can't hang out with you anymore. He had to like set boundaries, and what he did was he surrounded himself with worship, with prayer. I remember on his wall next to his bed, I still remember this. I, I, I think even Carl um, preached about it because he still remembers this. Was You guys remember the, the acronym ACTS? The, it's like a prayer acronym. acronym. It's A-C-T-S. And um, he would have it on his, he just wrote it with a sharpie on his wall. ACTS means adoration. C means confession. Uh, T means thanksgiving, and S means supplication. So what it is is a template to pray. So every time you wake up, you do A, I'm going to adore God right now. Yay, I'm going to adore him. You are so good. Um, C, confession. Um, I'm going to spend a, a five couple minutes just confessing my sin to God. Um, T is thanksgiving. I'm going to just thank him for everything that he gave me. Then S is supplication. I'm going to start praying for everybody. I remember this because it was written on my brother's wall. It was there. I mean... You know, I would, we would, me and Carl would walk into his room to play video games, and he'd be on his knees praying. And then we'd still go play video games. That's cool. You can pray, dude, what, all you want, man. Yeah, you know, because um, he's the only one that had the TV downstairs. We had to use it. Um, but my brother surrounded himself with a godly environment. And I'm, I'm going in depth in this, but I want you guys to, to realize the transformation that can happen in your life is, is your boundaries... Is the perimeter around you, the environment around you, how big is, your, is the godly environment around you? Is it two feet? <laughs> is it a couple yards? Is it a mile? And you can judge for yourself is how close is temptation to you? Do you guys get my point? Because if temptation and sin is right there, they can just grab it. It's easy. All right. Oh, there's temptation. Yep, right there. 
If you, if you, you know, and you, once you, uh, once you recognize and pinpoint the sin, you know what to get rid of. Are you guys hearing me? You know what to get, I'm going to throw that very far away so that I don't get tempted by it. That you create this environment. Um, you know, when you wake up, you know, one of the things that I always get tempted to in the morning is to not do devotions, not to read the Bible, not to do anything that, that has to do with God, right? I'm tempted to turn on the TV because there's good something, I don't know, I love watching Anthony Bourdain, No Reservations, yay! You know, I can watch that for hours, or a soccer game, or I can go on Facebook, or I can drink a coffee, and I can do all this. There's so many temptations for me in the morning to not think about God. One thing I did was, you know what, I'm gonna, as soon as I get up, I'm going to press on some worship music. Bam! I'm trying to make my environment godly as soon as I wake up. It's like, bam, I'm getting to worship. So whether I'm doing my coffee or not, there's a worship song. It's like, oh, okay, i got to praise him. Yay, you know? And you just kind of get your mindset. I'm, I'm trying to give you practical things. Is wh- how, how big is your, your godly environment? And where sin and temptation is, is far away, you know? You're getting your boundaries out that way. Create an environment, um, a godly environment around you. Number three, um, how to deal with temptation is, and I think this is a biggie, guys. This is a real huge big one. Is that you repent quickly when you fall and when you fail. That you repent quickly. Because the reason why you do not repent quickly is because you feel shame and you feel God hates you and you're not worthy. And those are all lies. Those are all lies of the enemy going, ah, God doesn't love you anymore. You failed. You did it again. You're stuck in your own thing. Like, he's going to accept you again. Right? The lie of the enemy. Like, God, no, don't go to him. He's just going to condemn you. You know? And it's that shame again, right, that keeps us from God. But you know what? God is the very first person we should go to in repentance and go, God, I'm so sorry, because God has open arms, right, because of the victory that he won on the cross, the victory of grace, and the redemption of our sin on the cross is that we can come right quickly before him and go, God, I'm sorry. Repent quickly uh, when, you, when you fail. I think it's so important because, seriously, I'm going to just say it straight. The devil's plan is for you to stay away from God. The further and the longer you stay away from God, the more that the enemy can get his hands on you. Are you hearing me? And if we repent quickly and get rid of it, dude, it's done. There's no condemnation, which comes from the enemy, right? You're not worthy. You're a sinner, right? When we get rid of it, now the enemy has no hold. He's like, he can't say that. And you just say, I'm forgiven. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. And you've got to be tenacious about it. Um, I read a great tweet the other day from C.S. Lewis. I know C.S. Lewis is not alive anymore, but someone actually tweets his quotes from his book. So this is a great tweet. Um, and it said this. I, I actually just saw this the other day. It says, God's love is not wearied by our sins and is relentless in its determination that we be cured at whatever cost to us or him. Let me read that again. God's love is not wearied by our sins and is relentless in its determination that we be cured. You get that, guys? Cured at whatever cost to us or him. God's heart, when you're in your sin, 
and you're stuck in it, and it's habitual, and you have a stronghold, is not to go, oh, you dirty sinner. He's going, I want to heal you and set you free from it. I mean, I'm sitting here, and I got Blair here with a prayer in here. Is that God's heart? That he wants to heal and set people free? That's what he, that's what he wants to do. He wants to set people free and go, as soon as we go, God, I'm so sorry. That's one step closer going, yep, okay, I can get those chains off of you now. You're this close, now I can set you free. Because uh, you know what? You are forgiven. You are set free. Um, I love that verse from C.S. Lewis. Um, man, I got five minutes left. Um, number five, uh, verse five. Um, and this is seriously one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible because it's a great promise from God and it's a great practical advice. But I've been praying this since I was in high school, since I became a Christian. When I read this, I quickly realized that God will give this to me if I ask it of him, right? In verse 5 of James 1, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous gen- generous God, and he will give it to you. Don't you love that? If we lack wisdom, now wisdom is what? It's not knowledge, not smarts. It's not I have a PhD. Wisdom is knowing the will of God. No, wisdom is knowing where God wants you to go. It's, it's not just the smarts. It's wisdom. It's knowing God's way, Right? So if we lack any of that, if we don't know how to deal with temptation, if we don't know how to deal with the trials in our lives, well, guess what? God is saying, ask him for wisdom. And you know what he will do? He will give it to you. This is a promise in the Bible that if you ask wisdom, he will give it to you. I love that verse. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Um, This verse, seriously, can't say enough of it. Um, When you are just for, for a lack of understanding or a lack of a plan or lack of ideas... The best place we can go is on our knees. God, help me. Give me wisdom. Um, I like, Carl wrote these notes, and I like what he wrote here. He says, when we do that, we have to have faith and realize that God, God's will doesn't need a backup plan. I mean, think about that. God's not giving you a whole bunch of things like, okay, well, here's plan A, but, you know, plan B... You know, he's like, he's not wavering in his thing. He's like, dude, here's my plan. It's the best plan because I see the whole picture. I see everything that's going around. There's no like, but if that fails, if that fails, well, you try this. God does not have a backup plan. God's will is number one, and it always works. You know what, you know what the backup plan is? Is us. It's when we get the direction and, and, the, and the stuff from God, it's like, no, I don't think that's going to work. I like this idea better. And you know when that backup plan gets into effect is when we don't listen to God. Plan B is when we don't listen to God. Plan A is when we go, you know what? Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your love is higher than my thoughts. I believe in you, God. 
Um, there is no backup plan in your will. Um, all right. Um, I'm going to go really quickly. But Ralph goes long in this service, huh? Yeah, he does. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be his true disciple. I'm going to finish up here. Um, let's go to verse 19. Let's jump down there. Uh, and it says this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read all the way to the end. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. There it is. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do not do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be righteous but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Okay, that's, that's some pretty awesome advice. And remember what I said before? Be careful when you read James because it might sound preachy, right? He's saying, you know what? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to, and slow to get angry. And you're like, oh, whoa, rules, rules, rules. But you have to know that, to me, James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. That's what James is to me. Because when I read James, it's like got these short little Proverbs. Like, dude, wow, okay, yeah, have wisdom. Don't be a fool. Do this and you'll prosper. And what he's saying is, you know what? These are, these are great practical things for your life. But I, I love the, the number one thing he says is, is, is um, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Don't be someone who forgets what they look like. Um, there's this great verse, and this is, uh, do we have that verse in Matthew? This is Jesus talking, and I'm going to end with this verse. And I want to read it to you because this is from the message. Do we have it up there? Um, Matthew 7, verse 24. This is Jesus talking. But this is from the message version, and I like the way it, it says it here. It says, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who, who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved the house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. The, the main words I get out of this in the message version is, is that these are foundational words, words to build a life on. And, it, and then it says, work them into your life. The words of God, work them into your life. Um, and the other part that, that hit me was, um, this is not homeowner improvement, improvements. How many of you guys have done like kitchen, like, you know, 
redone your kitchen or your bathroom in your house before. Anybody? Right? We did that to my old house that I lived in um, back in Kanyoi Bay Drive. And we did all this, like, nice renovations and stuff, and, and we hired all these people. And when we hired all these people to do all this work, you know what we found out? Termites were eating our house from the inside out. I mean, it was literally like it was standing on straws. And the reason why was the foundation wasn't built good. There wasn't, like, cement blocking the termites to go up into the woodwork and stuff. And so for 20 years, termites were eating our house. So no matter what we did to our house, if we had a nice wallpaper, we had a new drywall and paint, guess what? Underneath all of that was, was wood rotting in the inside. And what Jesus is saying here is, you know what? Don't let the words of the rules, right, the, the things that come in your way and go, don't let it all, like, don't you know, be slow to speak or don't get angry. And it might seem like these rules coming your way, but you have to go, you know what? I have to work these into my life. Are you guys hearing me? And when I work them into my life, they become the foundation of which I can build something. See, a lot of people don't want to join this thing we call Christianity is because, oh yeah, it's a bunch of rules. But like I said in the beginning, God made these rules because God loves you. And he wants you to build a strong foundation because you can be all nice on the outside, but getting eaten from the inside out. And what God is saying, you know what? I'm going to build you from the inside, and then your outside is going to look like the inside. That you're going to walk your talk. You're not going to be two different people in two different places. You're going to be the person that you exactly, um, the, the person that God made you to be because the Spirit's working inside of you. Is that making sense to you guys? I hope that's not too confusing. Is that... That we, we look at God's word and we work it into our lives. And how, how does that work out? I don't know how it works out for you. But for me, here's one thing I've been doing. And I, I can see the fruit out of it. Um, I, I'm a tweeter, sorry. And I, I, I just say these tweets. But one of the best tweets I saw, which really convicted me, was when Rick Warren tweeted, one of the most important things I've done in my career was to memorize verses. I mean, we're talking Rick Warren here, the guy who wrote that book <laughs> that's, like, all over the world in, like, I don't know, 500 different languages. And, he, you know, he, they call him the pastor of America. This guy, one of the most important things was not saving people in Africa or starting a huge megachurch. One of the most important things was, was working the Word of God into his heart, memorizing verses. This guy knows his verses. So you know what I did? I started memorizing verses. That's amazing. I'll be walking along, and this verse will pop up. I'm like, whoa. Awesome. I'll be, like, counseling someone, and this verse will pop in my head and go, hey, what about this? You know? I'm working it in my life. You know, when I, when I spend time to go, okay, I have to memorize this. I'm doing this kind of, you know, route, route thing, and I'm just like, okay, got to memorize this verse. And I walk out, and I don't forget what I look like because the foundation is there. Um, and I don't know what that looks for, for you in your life, but I want to encourage you guys is to work um, the Word of God into your life somehow. Don't let it be rules or something that you, you wrote on a page. It, let it be written on your hearts and inside your spirit and overflowing out of you when you're, when you're out in the world, when you're at work, when you're at school when you're with your family, um, because that stuff is going to speak louder than the words you speak. 
Does that make sense? Um, let's pray. Let's bow our heads. God, I want to thank you for James. I want to thank you for Acts. I want to thank you for the whole Bible. But Lord, I, I'm just really getting inspired by these two books. Um, especially James. Um, I don't know his personality. I don't, you know, I've never met him. You know who he is. You created him. But he wrote this amazing book, God, full of just these little nuggets of wisdom, Lord. And I pray that we would be people, Lord, that would write your word on our hearts. That we wouldn't just know your rules and know the things and the advice that you give us and the wisdom that you want to give us. Lord, that it affects our lives, that it, it's in our bones, that, that it naturally comes out of us when we, when we walk around, when we interact with non-Christians, when we interact with people, Lord, that it, it becomes natural to us. Lord, that does take work. That t- does take discipline, that we will work your scriptures into our lives. But Father God, I pray that we wouldn't be people that talk is cheap, that we would walk our talk. Lord, we are not perfect. Lord, we do make mistakes. But Lord, I pray that we be people that would live a life shame-free, that we would live a life in freedom, God, that we would walk your truth, Lord, that we would be the best example that we can be, God. With everyone's eyes closed, I want to give an opportunity for anyone to become a Christian. If that's something you've never done, or maybe you're not sure that you've done, um, I want to make sure that you do it tonight. If you're not sure that you are called a Christian or born again, um, I want to give an opportunity for you to do that. And really what that is, is you just tell Jesus that you believe that, that he died for you, that he set you free by, by the blood that he shed on the cross. And in that action, when you tell him that you believe in him, You're forgiven of sins. You become a child of God. You get to go to heaven. He becomes your Lord and your Savior and all of that. And if you've never done that, I want to give an opportunity for you tonight. Um, I'm going to say a prayer in about 15 seconds, but I want you to tell me that you're going to be praying with me. And really simply, um, I'm going to count to three, and all you need to do right now is just raise your hand real high so that I see you that you're going to be praying with me. So here we go. I'm going to count to three. Anybody want to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior tonight? One, two, three. Does anybody want that tonight? Raise your hand real high. Got one? Awesome. Anybody else? Awesome. Best decision you ever made. All right. I'm going to say a prayer. Say this prayer under your breath. Make it your own. Lord Jesus, I come before you. I am so sorry that I ignored you, but no longer I come before you right now. I believe what you did on the cross for me. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave three days later. Lord, I make you my Lord, my Savior, my King, my friend. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God. 
just walk with me for the rest of my life. I thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, let's give that person a hand.